And good afternoon. Welcome to the Women's Show. I'm Deb Anderson here with you until uh, 2 o'clock with the finest uh, music performed by women. And um, I just played a great band. Uh, they've been together 10 years. Uh, Jane Bunnett, uh, soprano saxophonist, uh, flautist, uh, band leader, pianist, educator. She got an ensemble called Makeke, uh, which is uh, five Afro. Cuban, African, uh, Cuban women, young women that she played together and just put out a brand new album uh, called Playing With Fire and we just listened to that song, Playing With Fire um, and started with Human Race uh, from Jane Bennett and McKay and hopefully I've got uh, Jane on the phone. Jane, are you there? Hi. Hi, Deb. How are you? Well, you sound fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice day. I'm swanning black flies. <laughs> well, I hear you're you're out there in the wilds, and, and it's amazing you sound so well, uh, being in the wilderness that you are. Yeah. I don't know. Does Nebraska have black flies? Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> we, <laughs> okay. we, we have all those critters, including uh, ticks and, and uh, you know, you name it, mosquitoes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, you're a Canadian. I suppose you're kind of used to black flies, right? Well... You build up a tolerance, but they're still uh, they're still a hassle. That's for sure. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Well, you put up with it when you have such a you know in the beauty of the woods and the wilderness and um, by a lake for sure. But Jane, I'm so happy that you're, you called me in today and that you put out this fantastic uh, new album with McKay K uh, called uh, Playing with Fire. And uh, you know, is that how you feel when you play with these women that you're playing with fire? Yeah, absolutely. They are forces to be reckoned with. And when assembling this, you know, I'm really surprised because we're now in our 10th year yeah. um, as a group. Um, the, the history of, of, of Makeke is that uh, my husband and I, my husband Larry Kramer, who's trumpet player and producer, we've had a group called Spirits of Havana since about 1990 was our first recording. Huh. We went to Cuba in 1982. Wow. So we we were pretty much playing, you know, a more straight-ahead jazz, which, we, of course, we still do. But we got hit, you know, by the Cuban bug, and we <laughs> made our first recording in Cuba, 1990. Wow. So um, we established Spirits of Havana then, and we did a lot of touring with that group with many really wonderful young guys from Cuba coming through our group. Um, listeners might know Pedrito Martinez on congas mm. and Valerio mm. Duran on on piano. And, and there's a long list of musicians that, that came through our group. But they were all guys. Uh -huh. And uh, so it hit me and uh, Larry, um, you know, about 10 years ago that you know, I was meeting so many young women that, but not seeing them out on the scene. And if I was playing, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would see them sitting on the sidelines, uh, content to be watching their boyfriends be mm -hmm. up there playing with me. And I would, you know, I'd be like, "Hey, come on!" You know, they'd be like, "Oh, my boyfriend's <laughs> up there playing." I said, "Well, my boyfriend's up here playing too." <laughs> right. so, you know, uh -huh. come on up. Right. right. But it was. It, you know they weren't um they weren't really given the forum and uh and playing opportunities are are hard at best um and you know it's a macho world and usually the guys you know gobble up the stuff so anyway 
the idea came, and it was kind of a one-off um, idea. I expected that, you know, to continue touring with Sp- Spirits of Havana, but our first recording, we have now, this, this is our fourth recording, Playing With Fire, but our first recording, you know, was um, kind of a, a one-off project, but the idea took off, and the girls mm. really developed um, uh, over the years into to something pretty special that that recording got a Juno in 20, wow. um, 2020, which is like a Canadian Grammy. Uh-huh. And then um, our next recording called Odara, that received a Grammy nomination. And that's when we started coming into the U.S. to perform. So we got some attention with our second one. And then our third one mm-hmm. uh, was called On Firm Ground. And now our new one, which is called Playing With Fire. So, yeah, the girls have really really, really developed into a very, really, I think we're quite a strong um, unit. And it's pretty much the same uh, women that you started off with? young, And they were young women when you started. Yeah. Um, well, there's been a tiny bit of a, a shift. Um, Dimey Arasena, who helped me sort of put the group together, um, she's gone off on her own and she's doing great things. And um, a couple of the other players are off doing their own thing. Um, but three of the core members are still in the group. And then we have a new vocalist, Joanna Majoko. Uh, so, you know, I kind of see the group as being a, I like a forum for, you know, to, to keep it going, a project to, to bring, recruit. I guess mm. that's the word, recruit players and um, give them a chance to get out there because, Ah, you know, <laughs> the only way you get better is by opportunities. I always look at uh, Venus and Serena Williams, uh-huh. you know. The reason that they got, well, one of the reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is they got a chance to get out there and play. Right. And, uh, and to play with the best and to be, you know, every time you get an opportunity, you, you, you raise the bar, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so it all comes down to getting the opportunity to do to do anything, to excel in anything. You need the opportunities. So you gave uh, these young women, um, and how did you how did you find them initially? I mean, I mean, you know, I said they were sitting hanging around with their boyfriends, but was there something <laughs> that happened that they kind of you just they just found you and you found them and you said, oh, this is this is a great opportunity yeah. here. That's a good question because what we did was we went down there and um, quietly kind of behind the scenes checked Mm. some of the women out. And, um, you know, there were some players that were, uh, that we, we, you know, listened to if they were playing in a, in a, you know, in a forum somewhere, like some sort of, you know, happened to be playing like maybe um, one of the clubs or something. There's not many clubs there, but, um, I could see certain players had the personality mm-hmm. and the um, the drive to to improvise and um, the mm, what do you say the incentive to be creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were all like very important um, aspects, you know, of being uh, when when forming the group because. I consider myself a jazz musician first. Um, improvising is a very important component of what we do. 
and um, but at the same time, working within the framework of Cuban rhythms, which are, you know, traditionally go back, you know, hundreds of years, mm-hmm. and um, coming out of, you know, many uh, coming out of Africa, West African rhythms, um, it's it's all a very specialized uh, area. So you have to have the knowledge. Um, you have to have it in your heart, you know, that the, the, that music, but also be able to, like, jump off, jump into the deep end and um, be creative and, and try and write and, and uh, go into the unknown, which um, improvising is all about, you know. Well, what drew you to Afro-Cuban music? Because y- y- your background is classical piano until about 20 uh, years old, and all of a sudden something happened to you. Yes. Well, um, I, you know, I did have jazz recordings in my family home. My, my big brother was an avid uh, jazz listener, but also he had a great record collection of all kinds of music. So I was always going into his room to steal <laughs> steal records and, and or listen on his little t- his turntable he had in there. Mm-hmm. And my dad, of course, you know, loved Ellington and Basie. And, and so um, there was a, a musical environment that I was around. Uh, even though I was, you know, studying classical piano, I still loved um, all kinds of music. So, and I'm a typical teenager. I, you know, went through the rock stuff and blues and, um, and, um, but it was really when I was about uh, seriously studying piano, I had a hand injury and I had to leave the piano for a little bit of time to, to rest the, the injury. And I went to San Francisco, and I heard Mink, Charles Minkus's group oh. over a series of five nights. Um, and I had heard Minkus before. He'd come to Toronto a few times, and I, I'd heard him. But it was something, um, there's something about that moment, being away from home for the first time, um, looking at my classical piano future that was not looking very very like it was going to happen mm-hmm. and taking a real turn um, when I came back from that trip Keystone Corners in San Francisco I came back and I really wanted to play jazz but there was no university there was no place to go for a jazz study program mm. at that time and so I was really trying to find my way and hanging out in the jazz departments you know at record stores and asking the you know the guys that worked there to play me stuff like what who's this guy and so initially uh, yeah my right. charlie parker he looks like he could be pretty good <laughs> right. <Like> cover. <laughs> and, um so i uh i really dealt heavily then into jazz and i was just couldn't get enough of it and um I was playing a tiny bit of piano, but then I sort of started to lean more on playing the flute, mm. and I bought myself a flute, and the saxophone came much later, but I really jumped into the jazz studies, and then, um, um, yeah, and, and, and then I met a few people that I sort of got, would get together with them and jam, and st- you know, with very simple, you know, jazz tunes, and and then I got super serious about it, and I started to do like play little bistros and drag my piano playing friend out with me to let's go get a 
$50 gig. And we would play jazz standards. So I did that for a long time. And and then I met my, my boyfriend, who later became my husband, Larry. Um, and we started to play together. And then we got, then we got some pretty nice opportunities to get recognized in, in first in Toronto and then outside of Toronto and then it got bigger in Canada hmm. and then we took our first trip to Cuba oh. so this is that was 1982 and so like three times I'd gone to Mexico because our winters are brutal I'm sure just like yours are <laughs> uh-huh. and um February is a good time to like get out of Dodge and um <laughs> So we went to Cuba, I went to Mexico, and I kept getting sick, three times sick, and I was like, I'm not going back to Mexico. Mm. And then saw a trip to Cuba, in Santiago de Cuba, which is on the eastern side, Oriente province of Cuba, and the cheap trip, and with what was there to lose, and <laughs> the flight, <laughs> the hotel, three meals a day, Free drinks. <laughs> there you go. Better. $349 or something. Oh, my. Visa. Yeah. And we went, and from the moment we arrived in Cuba, there was music, 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 mm. music, Cuban music everywhere. In the airport, wow. outside, on the, you know, you're getting your bags at the carousel. There was a little group playing there. Then I got outside the airport, getting on the bus. It was oh. another group hour and a half went to our ghetto, you know, tourist compound, which was all like chain linked, uh, you know, outside to keep uh, all the Cubans from coming in. But still, they managed to um, bring this group in that night, 18-piece big band, that was phenomenal. So there's more people in the big band than there was in the whole hotel. It was brand new. It was 10 people people in the hotel. And Mm -hmm. it was like going to heaven. And the next day we went into the town, which was about an hour and a half away, and came back with recordings and continued to go for the rest of our <laughs> and your film. life, pretty much. Yeah, and we kept you know traveling. We made two documentary films in Cuba. We've made tons of recordings in Cuba with every aspect, every mm. different style. If it's been leaning more towards, you know, classical contradanza type music, if it's been more um, in the Guantanamo area, which music is called Changui, we did sort of a New Orleans mashup radio Guantanamo in that region. We did in Camagüey, um, there's a very strong Haitian influence there. We did a recording with a 10-piece acapella group. Wow. We did, hmm. you know, we we traveled the whole country and we recorded all over the whole country. We recorded with the comparsa, which is the conga, which is like just drums and what the musicians that play for carnival. Mm-hmm. Big project called Alma de Santiago, which got a Grammy nomination. Which and, you've had uh, three, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, so we we really have absorbed the sounds of Cuba because it's there's just so much to discover. It's like the history of jazz. It just you the, the the you know the deeper you dig, the more you find. It's really really been a very enriching journey. Well, you've been digging pretty deep into that culture. I mean, I was just looking at some of your catalog. You've got probably over twenty albums, maybe more. Um, that you've done since you started recording. Um, by the way, I'm talking to Jane Bonnet, uh, who, along with her 
group, McKay and just put out a brand new album called Playing With Fire. Um, but you, you've been recording a long time, and this seems to be your calling. I mean, you feel like you are doing exactly what you need to be doing at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. You know, I mean, um, I, I find that the, that the Cuban musicians um, are highly collaborative, and they're so well, you know, they're not only so well trained if they are con- if they if they are conservatory trained, but also even the musicians that are self taught or you know have grown up with the traditional music there, they love their music so so it's so immensely it's such a a huge part of the fabric. You know, the mm. only, the only, you know, the only way I can kind of describe it is like when people go to New Orleans and you get oh, a yeah. sense of, you know, you see how the people are in New Orleans about their music. There's such a strong sense of pride and such a deep, you know, tradition that just pulls the whole city together. So you can imagine that that, you know, running right through the the whole country of Cuba, no matter where you go. There's just music everywhere. And if you are a musician, people love you. <laughs> they really do because they love their music so much. Well, it's interesting, uh, the name McKayke. There, there's a reason you call the group McKayke, isn't there? Yes. Now that that word came comes out of the Yoruban... Um, culture and uh, there's the language is called Lukumi and um, when picking the name for the group um, there was five titles that we were sort of tossing around and um, I asked um, one of the practitioners of the Afro-Cuban religion Mm. what Makeke meant and because that one jumped out at me and she said that it translated to fiery energy and spirit of a little girl. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. I'm, I'm, really, yeah. I'm really interested about the, the current lineup that you have because you added, uh, well, recently you added uh, a sister to uh, your pianist, uh, Dana Olean, uh, Daniela. Yeah. Yeah, Daniela. So she just graduated from the conservatory in Havana, and we were waiting for her to, you know, finish up her studies because that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's been training since she was probably five years old, and as our pianist, Dana's been playing since she huh. was four. Oh my goodness! And wow, yeah. I mean, and we're, yeah. we're we're talking like serious training, right? Like, uh-huh. I mean. It's, um, they start, you know, in some ways it's, it's, it's great. Um, some people, some people would feel streaming people so early, you know, into, into what, um, you know, into departments like that, into areas is, I don't know, are you giving a chance, you know, but I think in this, in the, in, uh, in the sense of Cuba, you know, they if, if if a talent is recognized, if it's in gymnastics, if it's in baseball, 
it was really nurtured uh, mm. from a very early stage. So, um, yeah, so that's what happens. And, um, yeah, Daniela is marvelous. She's just, she's 19, just turned 20, and she's just a phenomenal violinist. I mean, she's, you know, symphony, symphony trained and incredibly focused, but improvising at the same time. And, and she wrote a piece on the record, yes, Daniela's theme. Yeah, which yeah. is fantastic. And I listened to it and said, wow, what great violin there. I mean, I just love the textures, the rhythms that all, this whole album has. It's just like, it's, it's really on fire. And the, that first yeah, cut we, that I started with, Human Race, and that guitar playing. Oh, my gosh, your guitar player is fantastic. Yeah. Well, Donna, she's, a, she's really special, too. So for people that don't know about Donna... Donna Grantis, um, she was in um, uh, Minnesota for quite a while. She was picked up um, by Prince, the late Prince. Um, she was in his touring group called Third Eye Girl. Mm. She was in his group um, for, I guess, probably a good 10 years, maybe. Um, maybe longer, but um, right up until his passing. Mm. And um, she's, from, she's from Canada. She's from Toronto. And um, he sort of plucked her, heard her and plucked her. She, she didn't know she was going to be in that band, and, um, and she was. And it was just an incredible experience for her. And then she, st she stuck around a little longer. Um, she bought a house, and, um, and she was always hanging out at Paisley, Paisley Park, the place of Prince, and they, you know, do these pop-up shows. And then I think, you know, with Prince's passing, she's, you know, she's got family back in Canada. So she decided to come back and we had gone out to a show that she had done and heard her. And I had it in the back of my mind, especially during COVID when I was up here at the log cabin and writing so much of this music. Um, wow. It would be really great to have her on some of the cuts. Mm. And, um, so then I contacted her and uh, I said, you know, we went, we came and heard you and we met you and we'd love to have you on the record. And she was like totally down with it. And uh, oh, yeah. so, yeah, she, she's on half the recording. She added such a, you know, a new sort of sonic element to the to to Makeke. I mean, I never like to repeat. I wanted to always try to do something different with every record that we do. And so she really took us to some nice places. Oh, absolutely. And it did remind me of Carlos Santana quite a bit, the way she just rocked out on that. Um, you've got a, yeah. a fantastic uh, rhythm section. I mean, your drummer and percussionist, I mean, they are just phenomenal. And then they do vocals. I mean, you can not only have this yeah. incredible, but you got these vocals going on. Well, thank you for that. I'm glad that you're doing some deep listening. And uh, yeah, it's, I think that sort of like puts us in a, I mean, I have to happily say, I don't think there's any group um, like ours out, um, you know, on the touring scene. Hey, and we've never been to Nebraska, so ah, we gotta, we got to make gotta it come. to Nebraska. Yeah, we yeah. we got to come there. I would love, uh, well, we would love that. I was going to invite you, but you already invited yourself, so here you go. We're <laughs> definitely bring the whole group and come on down to the studio, or we can get you a gig, and I would imagine. You've already just toured Europe with your band, didn't you? Yes, we've done, we just finished um, March and April, we were on tour, 
and uh, and we were also in the United States. So yeah, we were out for like six weeks. It was a pretty long time. It was a haul, mm. and uh, that was our third time going to Europe. And we have done um we've done uh, we've done some stuff uh, quite a bit through through the U.S. Um, we mm-hmm. tend to go out a lot to the West Coast, California area, and of course the East Coast. And uh, but we haven't done a whole lot. We've been out to Iowa and um, oh, really? Denver and some of those places, but never never Nebraska. So hopefully oh. we're heading out in the we're heading out in the fall again to the U.S. And yeah, maybe maybe we'll make it. Oh gosh! Oh, you enliven this whole this whole audience for sure with this music. People will be up and dancing and going crazy. There's no doubt about it. Um, oh, good, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You know, you said earlier on you played with uh, a lot of men. Um, now you're playing with this all women ensemble, McKK. What is the difference? Do you feel do you feel like you, you communicate better? Do you feel there's a, like a psychic energy with the improvisation and stuff working with all women like you have? I think all, every yeah you 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 nailed it. Um, I really do. You know, like there is a, there is a there is something that's very special um, about that comes with our group. Uh, I feel there extremely supportive of each other and every performance you know we've had some travel things that that uh, of course more than ever since um covid you know things mm-hmm. don't really function so great out there and um no matter what goes wrong in our travel day or whatever when they hit the there's such a beautiful energy and an excitement, and I feel that the band never takes any of the shows for granted. Mm. There's always um, a feeling of this feeling like they can't wait to hit the bandstand and show everybody what they can do. <laughs> yeah, and, and I bet people are pretty impressed, too, I suspect. Yeah, and that's really cool. That is really cool. They don't, they just don't, like, you know, a lot of the guy bands, and, and when I've been, like, the guys sort of come on, and it's like, hey, cool, you know, hey, you know, I'm just cool. But this is like, they just, they just run to the stage, and they're mm. just, like, can't wait to play. So. Well, there's lots of videos um, out there that you've done with the band, um, and I've posted at least one, which is fantastic, just to see them work together, um, and the, the drummer and the percussionist and the guitarist and the bass player and and you playing your uh, soprano saxophone. By the way, I'm speaking to Jane Bonnet uh, with your group McKeke, brand new album, Playing With Fire, here on The Women's Show. Um, you know, Jane, it's just a pleasure talking to you because I have been listening to your music for so many years. Um, you know, on your new album, you wrote six of the compositions. Now, you said you wrote a lot of those up in your log cabin where you're at right now? Hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. I wrote uh, Human Race, the one that you played. I wrote that while there's an anthill on this property that would be probably close to about 200 years old. And um, right, you know, in the in the midst of when COVID was really you know, was really, we didn't know the information as much as we do now. Um, we were, we had all our gigs canceled. 
um, like a year's worth of gigs. And uh, so mm-hmm. once the, um, the girls, you know, everybody was in, the, in our house in Toronto. And um, after the gigs were canceled, like we got our visas on a, on a one o'clock on a, on a Friday and by four o'clock, everything had been canceled and we were to leave on Monday for to Georgia. So everybody, you know, we spent a couple of weeks sending everybody back to Cuba and um, um, we retreated up to our log cabin because it was just, you know, it, it was like, uh, it was like walking around Toronto was like watching a B movie, Night of the Living Dead or something. It was, oh, no. it was so sad, you know, it was uh-huh. a very sad time. And so we came up here and I would go and sit on a log by this anthill and um, and kind of meditate and just watch all the ants, you know, going about their business. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's really, really big. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and so that piece came about by looking, you know, by by my, my experience of just watching all these ants hmm. do their thing. And um, we have a big old piano here that's just, you know, not too far from the anthill. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, some of the, some of the other music was written just with the experience of being in isolation hmm. and imagining how is this all going to sound? Where's everything in it? Where's, is the band ever going to be back together? You know, hmm. what's going to happen? And, and imagining, you know, how, um, you know what the how the future was going to going to unfold mm-hmm. for us is that where a god unknown kind of comes from like yeah and that book uh, that book that that piece that piece was inspired by reading john steinbeck's book um to a god unknown mm. which is all um it's a very perplexing book it's all about two brothers and and one in particular who his his uh, connection to the land and his family and um, yeah, because I mean, it's a very spiritual, you know, the man's connection to to the earth and 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 uh, and just you know trying to figure out. Uh, it, it's an interesting book. I don't know if you've read that book. Uh-uh, I had no. never read it. I'm a, I love John Steinbeck and. Um, hmm. So it was kind of an interesting uh, time for reflection. Well, I was curious about how you, inspirations of of the songs that you've wrote, written like Sierra and Turquoise, and I, we just mentioned a God Unknown, and now I know about the Ant Hill and the Human Race, and tomorrow, and <laughs> and of course playing with fire. Um, so you just kind of get inspired. You just sit down at the piano. You have an idea. Uh, a kind of a feel for it, then you yeah. take it to the band and then you and they all kind of work on their separate instruments and you all kind of come together with a, a structure well, of a this song? Point, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this record was definitely different because, I mean, in the past, um, we, you know, the band had developed into um, more people writing for the group, but over when COVID happened, Everybody was, it was all kind of, you know, sort of survival when we were not very much in, uh, you know, we weren't going out to do very much. There was some one-off gigs and that we went out, and but then we were doing some, a few online things with just like half the band. 
um, going into a radio station, mm-hmm. you know, like um, over the internet, online shows. And, and so there wasn't um, the workshopping of the material that has in the past. I, I really missed that part because um, we would all be writing material and then the group, we'd all, we have a big house in Toronto, so everybody be in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like a real old school way of doing things, but it's how I like to do it. Um, you know, we all get everybody together and we've got a big house and everybody, you know, a couple of people in one room. And, and then we have this, you know, big downstairs living room with the grand piano and drum set. And, nice. and we would workshop the material mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks. And then we would go into the studio and record. And then, you know, um, when the time came for the record out, out we go. But uh-huh. so the music was really, really in the past, been very much workshopped. In the case coming out of COVID, it's a good question you asked that because it was a very different process. Um, I, I wrote six of the pieces and and they were just, you know, so much was just in my head mm. um, because I wasn't being allowed the... Um, the extravagance of being able to bring players because we were no one was able to travel and there was all these you know these incredible restrictions and so finally when things started to you know get a little bit more back to a little easier um we found the time and i brought the group and it was also super fast we only really had a couple of days to really work on the material and then we went into the studio and so a lot of time mm. was kind of spent in the studio like normally doing kind of rehearsing it and laying laying things down but we do you know our recordings most of the stuff is you know done live off the floor so i that's the way i like to do it everybody right. playing at once and that's what we did so but it, so it was a di- it was a different way of working um, it was harder, was definitely. This was a very, very hard record to put together. Yeah. Well, yeah, the circumstances were difficult. Uh, but it does sound like you were playing all together in the studio in Toronto, and your husband, uh, Larry uh, Kramer, did produce it. Yes, yep. Uh, he's he's really uh, can't do anything re- without him because he just has that overview and insight and knows what, and what our sound is and he just yeah he's really kind of um collectively um he knows how to bring the best out of in all of us well sounds like you really have got it together with your band mckeke with the great women that you've uh gathered together that put out this brand new album playing with fire by the way i'm talking to jane bonnet um the band is Makeke and Playing With Fire is your album. A um, couple things for we kind of have to probably get going here. Um, and I've really enjoyed talking to you, Jane. I just think you're just Me doing too. fantastic yeah, I've stuff. Enjoyed, I've enjoyed it, too. You've asked really interesting questions, and they're really quite different than... Um, <laughs> what I've experienced in the past. I, uh, I, I pretty dive pretty deeply into stuff when, when I, especially yeah, people that I'm familiar I, I, with music and I've really been listening to you for a long time. And my guest, Tom Einick, is a jazz, uh, very knowledgeable jazz guy and he's doing a whole show on women wind players. So uh, if you can beautiful. listen in, you're going to hear all your uh, 
your friends and people you know uh, that play sax and, and flute. and Is that happening? It's happening right after this interview here on the women's show. So, and Tom Einick is, uh, he's a pro. He, he's done uh, jazz uh, uh, recordings and um, he's been on the radio for 20, 30 years and he knows all kinds of people. And if there cool. is somebody, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing this because I think, uh, I hope that Tom just hears a little bit because I know he's a big fan of yours too. So he'll be coming up. But. So maybe, Jane, you can show up in Nebraska and we can meet you in person and you can bring the band. Yeah. And, and that would really be wonderful. Um, one, and we have, to, we have to get you our new video, too, because we have a video that we did for tomorrow. So that's oh. going to be going out to the station soon. So I'll make sure oh, yeah, we get your email. Uh, yes. So you get that. You your viewers can see it online, if I guess, if they go to your... Your, um, uh, uh, K, uh, music at kzum.org um, was the station um, uh, email. A um, couple Perfect. things, Jane. Um, gosh, and I hate to wind it up, but got to do it. Uh, where can you be found on, on social media? Where are these places um, where you can find Jane Bennett and McKay K? Yeah. You just go to www.janebennettandmckayk, and it should um, all pop up there. Well, yeah, McKay spelled A. E-Q-U-E. Ah, yes, indeed. Uh, and great, great videos, wonderful stuff. And you do have few, two couple of films out there. Um, one other thing, I'm going to end with a song. And usually I ask uh, who I'm interviewing what they'd like me to play. And I usually pick something. And sometimes it's exactly right. And sometimes it's not so much. I'm going to end with Sierra. What's your, what's your idea about that? Sure. Uh, well, that piece was like, uh, I, I wrote that piece just... Um, on the saxophone, actually. Um, I didn't go to the piano. I just started with that line, that first line, and I stopped. And then I, I played the next line, and I stopped and um, mm. left a lot of space. And I was really thinking of just being out um, in a desert. I was thinking, because it was, you know, just the isolation. I went... Um, my husband and I went to Morocco one one time and, and went out to the Atlas Mountains and went out to the desert. And um, so that piece, I was kind of dreaming about being alone out on the desert. Mm. <laughs> That's why I came up with the title. Ah, yes, I, I see that. Well, are you good with that one going out or is there something else from the album sure. you'd like me to play? I would love that. That'd be beautiful. Well, super. Uh, Jane Bonnet, uh, the band McKayK, uh, playing with Fire. Jane, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope you can stick around and tune in on the computer to KZM.org. Because uh, he's going to start with Allie Ryerson, apparently. Are, are you familiar oh, with Allie? Probably. Yeah. Great flute player. Camille She's Thurman. Ca you know Camille Thurman? Yeah. She's a sax player. Um, I mean, he's brought all this great stuff. Jane Ira Bloom, Ann Drummond, yep. uh, Annette Cohen, yep. uh, uh, got a great uh, player, Rebecca Cope. I mean, Tom Einick is the guy. His show is on Thursday afternoons here. On, uh, it's called uh, Afternoon Groove. You tune in every Thursday. You can hear the best in jazz. And I can't hear that. Oh, hey, if I can just mention one thing before sure. we go. Um, the film that you were talking about, Spirits of Havana, uh -huh. if they go, to, if Lister goes to the NFB, that's 
stands for the National Film Board of Canada, NFB. They can watch that film for free, Spirits of Havana, Cuban Odyssey. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I would love to see that. Oh, Jane Bennett. Well, we're going to go out with Sierra. Thank you again, Jane. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And it's hopefully get back to us, come to Nebraska, and, and the next album, I'd love to uh, talk again. Great. Right on. And thank you, Deb. Have a great afternoon. You too. Enjoy the wilderness there. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> All the best. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the music. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.